mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, your friends. Do you ever feel like maybe you have too many irons in the fire? Too much on your plate? Too many things in life that are really so very important that sometimes it's hard for us to sort of sort them all out and figure out what ought to be the top priority. For example, and in no particular order, there's our marriage, children, family. There is health, education, our work, or our careers. There's our homes, our finances, our retirement planning. There's our service at church, our service in the community. There are vacations, hobbies, rest, recreation, and the list could probably go on. But of all these things, what is most important? You can take a look at your calendar or your schedule. Sometimes that can be a good indicator what you're willing to spend your time on. You can look at your budget or your bank account. That can be a good indicator what you're willing to spend your money on. But what is of first important? Do we always even really know? Doesn't it sometimes seem to change from day to day or week to week or year to year, depending on what's going on in our lives at any given time? Should any of those things that I mentioned before, as important as they really are, should any of them really be of first importance? Is it possible that with so many irons in the fire, so many things in our lives that are so very important, that in the midst of trying to deal with all of those things, we could actually lose sight of that which truly is of first importance? Praise God then for our Easter celebration for His Word of truth and grace, for His Spirit who works through that Word to tune our hearts and minds again to that which truly is of first importance. The Gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ crucified and risen for us and for our salvation. This letter to the Corinthians that we're looking at today has 16 chapters. And from start to finish, the Apostle Paul addresses all kinds of things that the Christians in Corinth were struggling with at that time. Important things. Things that should be important to God's people of every generation. In this letter, he talks about God's revelation of Himself. He talks about the ministry of of the gospel. He talks about the blessings of marriage and the blessings of singlehood. 
He talks about orderly worship and the proper celebration of the Lord's Supper. He talks about the proper use of our Christian freedom and the spiritual gifts that we've received from God. He talks about the unity and diversity of the Holy Christian Church, what he calls the body of Christ. He talks about Christian love. Paul truly has all kinds of irons in the fire in this letter. He talks about all kinds of important things. But it's right at the very end, in chapter 15, right before he gives his final words of greeting and encouragement to his readers, that he gets to that which is the first important. He says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And so today, there are three questions that I want us to consider together. The first, what exactly is of first importance? Secondly, knowing that, how does it impact our lives right now? And finally, why will this always be our top priority? So what exactly is of first importance? Well, Paul sums it up pretty nicely for us. He says that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared alive to many people. There is actually just one thing of first importance. That's our eternal salvation. But these four things that Paul mentions really tell the story of how Christ accomplished that and why we can be so very certain of it. Christ died for our sins. That takes us back to the very beginning. To Adam and Eve and their first sin. And to the sin that they passed on to each one of us. Sin has consequences. God had warned Adam and Eve that the day they ate from the tree that he commanded them not to eat from, they would surely die. And God has warned all people, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings eternal death to all who are guilty of it. And we are all guilty. The scriptures make that clear. But in keeping with the promise, Jesus came as a human being. He lived a perfect life in our place. He took all of our sins on Himself and gave His life on the cross as a payment for all of them. And all of that happened, as Paul said, according to the Scripture. Way back in the beginning, when God had first promised the Savior, He said that the Savior was going to pay a very high price for our salvation. The prophet Isaiah shares just how dearly Jesus did pay. He tells us he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He poured out his life unto death. That's what we just heard again this past Friday. What we call Good Friday. And for good reason. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that He was buried. Now at first, maybe that seems like kind of an obvious point or almost an unimportant point. 
but it stands as a clear testimony that Jesus truly died. It was no sham, no make-believe. Remember when the soldiers were sent on that Friday to speed along the deaths of those who were being crucified that day by breaking their legs? But when they got to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They pulled out that spear and pierced his side to make sure of it, and the Apostle John was a witness to that. But the fact is, by that time, Jesus had already called out, It is finished. He had already said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With all of his work complete, he had already breathed his last. It reminds us of what Jesus had said in John chapter 10. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. On that cross, Jesus willingly gave up his life and then was laid in the tomb and was put under seal and guard the next three days. Then early Sunday morning, Jesus rose again. We heard the account in our Gospel reading today. The apostles and the women hurried out to the tomb that morning. They found the stone rolled away, the tomb empty. It was an angel who had rolled that stone away, not to let Jesus out, but to show that he was already gone, that he had risen indeed. And again, all of that happened, as Paul says, according to the Scriptures. It's just what God had said would take place. Again, the prophet Isaiah foretold, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. We heard in the children's devotion, the prophet Jonah was a picture of this. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus himself had once told his enemies who were challenging him for a sign. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And the temple he had spoken of was his body. The resurrection then is that one great miracle that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who he claims to be and he can do what he says he will. The resurrection is also the guarantee that God accepted what Jesus did for us and for all the world on Good Friday. In Romans 4, the Apostle Paul says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Since Jesus died, having the sins of the world on Himself, then His resurrection is the announcement to the whole world that sin is forgiven, paid for, finished. And so that leaves just one thing that Paul includes as that which is of first importance that Jesus appeared to many people alive. Jesus knew full well that His resurrection would be the cornerstone of our faith. And so in His wisdom and love, He took great care to make sure that the testimony to that event would be plentiful and irrefutable. The Bible says that two or three witnesses are enough to confirm a fact. But Jesus provided more than 500 witnesses for His resurrection. 
most of whom were still alive as Paul was writing this letter. The Corinthians, if they wanted to, could search them out and ask them. But they didn't have to look very far. Because the apostle who had first shared the gospel with these people was one of these eyewitnesses. Jesus had also appeared Paul. So Paul can say, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day. And that He appeared alive to many. All of this happened in order to accomplish our eternal salvation and to give us absolute confidence and certainty that it is true. There are all kinds of things in our lives that are so very important. But there is only one thing that is of first importance. So that takes us to our next question. How does knowing this impact our lives right now. Let's go back for a moment to the Corinthians. Paul said, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Without that, which is of first importance, then ultimately everything else is in vain. These Corinthians Christians were struggling with so many different things because they had begun to let go of that which is of first importance. Rather than keeping their focus on Jesus and keeping Him as first place in their hearts, they had instead elevated themselves to that position. And this showed itself in the way that they valued their wisdom over God's, their ideas about worship and the Lord's Supper over God's. The spiritual gifts that God had blessed this congregation with became a source of pride and jealousy among them. The Christian love that God wanted to see from this congregation was instead replaced by selfishness. Paul knew that the only way to get them back on track again was to take them back to that which is of first importance, to remind them again of the gospel that they had heard, that they had believed, and on which they had taken their stand. That which is of first importance is the only thing that can help us keep straight all of the other important things that we have going in our lives. So what does that mean for us? I mean, understanding what is truly of first importance doesn't mean that suddenly there's going to be this drastic change to our budgets and our schedules. It doesn't mean that we're no longer going to devote a great deal of time and energy and resources towards so many of those important things that I mentioned before. Whether it's marriage or family, health, education, Jobs, home, finances, retirement, service at church in the community, recreation, you name it. But what it does mean is this, that we will not let any of those things, as important as they are, restrict 
or replace our single-minded devotion to that which is of first importance. See, that which is of first importance doesn't interfere with all of these other things, but rather it serves to enhance them and enrich them in every way. Think about it. There is no greater love that you can show to your family than to keep Christ crucified and risen front and center in your homes and in your schedules each week. There is nothing greater that you want for your family than for all of you together to be joined to Jesus in eternity. Taking care of yourselves, furthering your education, working hard at your job. It's a way to honor the Savior who blesses us with all of those things and often gives us even more ability and opportunity to glorify Him with our lives. Paying attention to our finances and our retirement planning may give us more opportunity to be generous in this life. But even more than that, it's awesome to focus on things like that without fear and worry. Because we already know that thanks to Jesus, we have this eternal inheritance waiting for us. Our service at church or in the community is an opportunity for God's name to be glorified and magnified in this world rather than our own. Even our rest and relaxation is an opportunity to recharge ourselves so that we can give even more devotion to that which is of first importance. Finally, it comes down to what Paul says. If we let go of that which is of first importance in our hearts and lives, then ultimately everything else that seems so very important is going to be in vain. So that brings us to the last question we want to look at today. Why will this always be our top priority? This gospel message. Well, again, Paul helps us to understand. He says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Paul understood what it really is that we're celebrating today. Not that God has placed some demand on us that he must always be of first importance and we better show that in our lives. But rather that in Jesus, God has demonstrated that we are always of first importance to Him. Why did God promise to send His only Son, the one that He dearly loved? Why did Jesus leave His glorious home in heaven to come here, live, suffer, and die? Why did Jesus rise again on the third day and show himself to so many people? Because of his perfect love for us. He did it to save us and to make sure that we would know it. He did it for all of us. He did it for the worst of us. Paul got that. He said, I am the least of the apostles. And why? Because he had persecuted the church. He had lived as an enemy of Christ. He had once regarded that which is of first importance as nothing but a lie and a fraud. But God had mercy on him. 
He reached out to Paul personally and loved him and forgave him and restored him and blessed him in so many ways. God demonstrated to Paul that Paul was of first importance to him. Paul got that. He said, by the grace of God, by grace alone, I am what I am. No longer an enemy, but a friend. A dearly loved child and an heir of everlasting life. By the grace of God, we share that same status. Jesus has demonstrated that we are of first importance to Him. Today we celebrate His victory. But at the same time, we rejoice because we understand that by grace, this is our victory too. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again for us so that we can live and reign with Him for all eternity. He appeared alive to many people and made sure that the testimony of that fact was preserved and recorded for us so that we would never have to be afraid, never have to doubt, but could always be certain that we are His and He is ours forever. Nothing was more important to Jesus than us. And so nothing will be more important to us than Him. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And there is nothing more important than that. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.